Episode 15 of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. Uh, I am your host, Adam McKinnon, and joined as always by my co-host, Jim Passan. Jim? Hey, how are you doing tonight? Good, good. And we are welcoming our very uh, special guest this week, uh, Major League outfielder Lane Adams, La Swiftness. Mr. Adams, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing this evening? Doing well, thank you. Doing well. Great. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank we're you for Absolutely, it's a it's a real pleasure. I I, I actually have uh, watched you in person several times, uh, so uh, I'm uh, I'm really thrilled to have you on. Um, I I wanted to kind of get um, you know I wanted to kind of bring you on to talk a little bit about. We hear a lot, you know, while the world is burning around us on on Twitter right now. We're gonna we're gonna try and take the high road here. Um, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about yourself as a player, you know, coming in and sort of a player's perspective on a lot of things that like a lot of people in this in the sports media, baseball media in particular, we only know from our side of the fence. So we kind of wanted to get your perspective on it on a few things. And uh, but first we wanted to get to for those who don't have the privilege of, of having watched you play or knowing who you are. Um, we want to get to know you, so I wanted to know first off, what's your, what is your first real baseball memory? What was your, what is step one for for Lane Adams? Uh, my first baseball memory would be I think my mother coaching my t-ball team uh, when I was like four or five. That's about as far back as I can remember. Out <laughs> of it. Did you grow up a fan of a particular team, or like, did you have a favorite player when you were a kid? I did. For some reason, I liked the White Sox. <laughs> Robin Ventura is my favorite player. I, I don't know if it's because he went to Oklahoma State or what. Wow. I, he was just – it was a random I – I was, like, obsessed with him. My whole room was White Sox for about six, seven years, and uh, I still don't really know how it came about. <laughs> White Sox and it's really weird. That, that was my team. That that's awesome. You know, I I gotta I relate to the random player. I grew up a Jeff Blauser fanatic for reasons I can't fully understand. Um, <laughs> uh, Jim, you had a like random favorite growing up, didn't you? Well, see, I, I Yankee fan growing up as a kid in the middle of nowhere, Montana. So uh, followed my dad's team is what I did. And uh, so growing up in the '80s, uh, the Yankees weren't all that great, and I like to play shortstop. So uh, instead of being Don Mattingly being my favorite player, is as he was i ended up being more of an anti uh, stankowicz fan so <laughs> that didn't go so well and uh, in fact my uh my little league career played out a little bit worse than andy stankowicz career did so <laughs> yeah probably should have picked a better player yeah we, we all have that symptom um but you know what's interesting you know reading a little bit about your background story uh, lane you actually grew up and uh, you were a basketball player by primary trade, it seems like. Am I right there? Yes, that was uh, that was my favorite thing to do, and it still is, honestly. Wow. Um, it's That was my favorite thing to do growing up. It's all I did growing up. Uh, my mom was a high school coach when I was real young, and so I was always around the game. I had an older brother, always, always playing the game with him. Wow. And... That was just something that I always loved doing, and I actually tried to quit baseball my sophomore year. My mom wouldn't let me. <laughs> so she said, "If I quit, I had to go get a job." I think Sonic. I was like, Ugh. "Yeah, who wants to do I, that?" Rollerblade there, so I guess I'll stick with baseball for now. Wow. And here I am, I guess. Here, yeah. And so, so basketball was your thing, but you got drafted out of high school for baseball, though, right? Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. I did. Were there any offers there for basketball for you yeah. also? Uh, yeah, I had quite a bit, quite a, a lot of offers actually. Um, I ended up signing with Missouri State and 
uh, Springfield, Missouri. And I was on campus for summer classes and workouts. And third day there, I was following the draft and uh, in one of my computer classes. And I ended up getting drafted. And I just kind of got up and walked over to the basketball offices and had a had to talk to our head coach. <laughs> Did you were, were you expecting that? Like, was this something where? you know, you, you figured you were going to get drafted like, or was this like totally out of the blue? Um, I, I don't know. Cause it's a little bit of both. Um, I didn't want to get drafted. I told teams don't draft me. I don't really have any interest in playing at all. Um, I didn't go to any, I think I did one workout and turned down a lot of the others. Uh, um, and yeah. And so I, then they said the Royals said they'd take me in the eighth or twelfth round, and eighth round came around, nothing. Then ninth, nothing. Ten, eleven, twelve, nothing. I was like, okay, sweet. And they're not taking me. The next round, bam. Like, okay. <laughs> and that was kind of I I I didn't know what to expect. That's I I didn't really know if they were going to do it or not. I told them not to, but I didn't know at the time. So, what was the workout you went to? What's that? What, what what workout did you go to? Like, was it a team workout that you went to? Yeah, it was a Royals one. I, it was, oh, it was a Royals one. one. Okay. Yeah, it was the only one I did. I, <laughs> I don't know why I, did. I just ended up doing it. Wow. So so when you so when you came up, like, did they did they specify like, hey, we want to draft you, and, and this is why? Like, did you did you did they give you any insight, or was this just, oh, here I am, I'm a Roy- I'm a Royal now. Yeah, they didn't really. Uh, they didn't really uh, tell you why they drafted you. I mean, they say you're a good player, you have potential, all that. Sure. Stuff, but they don't really say what stood out. They never, they never really gave you the scouting report. I mean, but most people should be able to tell you. Like, I'm pretty sure I got drafted just because I was an athlete. Like I was a right. much better athlete than I was a baseball player. Probably that's probably still the case. So um, that would be my self-diagnosis in that situation. Sure, they, no, they, really, they don't really come. They don't really give you a whole scouting report about yourself. Oh, so so do, now, do you have? Do you does do you have a scouting report on Late Adams? Like you know, drafted scouting report? Oh, I got no, not drafted. <laughs> no, I have my own game scouting report that changes every three days. Yeah, like the um, what I found interesting with doing some background research, I found a. I found a blurb about you from uh, Kylie McDaniel from Fangraphs back in 2015. Uh, mm-hmm. t- and I tell me if you think this is, this is right. Um, uh, a 65 or 70 grade runner with just enough field to play center field, uh, along with an average arm above average to plus power, 250 type hitter will strike out a bit, 10 to 15 home runs and lots of doubles. Uh, Adam's tools are are big enough that he has a chance to pass Kings of Leon as the most notable product of. I'm not going to try and pronounce that Oklahoma. Alaina, yeah. Alaina, would you agree? Would you agree with Mr. McDaniel there? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Honestly, if I'm being <laughs> honest with you. Uh, uh, the only thing I kind of disagree with is I'm a pretty solid. At twenty, how old, how old was I? Twenty-five. Yeah, some. It, uh, you were twenty. Yeah, old, I'm definitely a solid seventy runner. The disrespect on the sixty-five. <laughs> at twenty-five years old, I, I mean, I'm as fast as anybody in baseball. That's so awesome. I, so I'm a little, a little disheartened by that. Oh. Thirty, yeah, I'll give you sixty-five at thirty. Yeah, <laughs> sixty-five runner at thirty. Oh, no, that's pretty accurate. Okay, cool, cool. Um, uh, Jim, you had you had something right. Oh, uh, it, so when I look at your uh, your baseball reference page, it mentions Red Oak, Oklahoma, as your place of birth. Uh, well, I lived there, grew up there. I was birthed in Tallahanna, which is a neighboring town, hospital, okay. the hospital where I'm from. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't know which I say. Sometimes I say birth or hometown. I don't know what it says. But Red Oaks, where you were, you were yeah, your home was. My plane is I mean, I just find it interesting. Be, you know, I'm from Montana, and so small towns are stuff that we always have around us, and uh, and so we see small communities. But when I went and looked at your community, and I noticed that uh, like one edge of town is Second Street, and the other edge of town is Third Street East, or something like that, right? I mean, that's a small town. It's a, uh, it's. Are you, are you the most famous person from Red Oak? Obviously, then. I mean. Be a little bit humble or not here, but. Uh, 
I mean, and you got I mean, somebody else. I mean, it's pretty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's only 600 people there. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I saw it was like 490 people. Hopefully, one of the younger kids passes me, so people will stop. You know, come with me at basketball games, go to other kids, other than the new kids. Uh, hopefully, someone comes and like, completely blows me out of the water in that respect. So. There you go. Uh, so you go back once in a while? Uh, yeah, I go back home. All my family's still there. Oh, okay. Uh, so we go back. I'm starting to have uh, cousins and. Uh, nieces are starting to start playing at that age and uh so it's starting to i don't know it's starting yeah i can try to get back when i can they put a baseball field in town yet oh yeah i got a nice one oh, oh wow stop lights don't have any stop lights yeah. <laughs> stoplight but, baseball diamond you know yeah did you did know. Uh, where do you stay kurt where do you stay your, yourself like where, where do you live currently we me and my wife live in edmond oklahoma right now it's just the north uh, city in north, northern suburb of Oklahoma City. We're mm-hmm. actually building a house. And we should be in it this summer in Norman, Oklahoma, which is south of Oklahoma City. Okay. So we're excited about that. But yeah, we are in Oklahoma City area. Okay. Yeah. It's. It, I, do you find that, like, when you it, do you find the travel to be? You know, we always talk about like, oh man, they live in this part of the country. I can't. I personally can't imagine living in one part of the country and then working like you know almost the year round. Um, does that play a role? Like when you're deciding where to live, when you're deciding what to do, like when you're in the situation that you're in, how does that play into that? Oh, it's. Uh, I mean, it's. It's one of those things where, especially in my situation the past couple years, I'm just shuffling teams. Right. Um, I haven't had like an apartment since 2015. That's the last time I've had an apartment mm-hmm. playing. Um, it's always been hotels. My financial guy, when I hired him, he said, hey, it's going to cost you, you, or like me, so it's going to cost me a minimum $30,000 just to live and play during the season. Wow. So uh, that's uh, yeah, it's it's difficult, especially when you when you bounce around and all this stuff. I remember when I was in Atlanta, I got tied up with I had like a three bedroom apartment to myself, and <laughs> I got two guys got I don't know if they got traded or released or whatever, but I was stuck with the rent and it was a bad deal. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard. It's really difficult. Well, that that's the part of the that's the part of the lifestyle, and you know. Specifically in a situation like yours where you're going back and forth, say, between the, the show and the minors or, or in different teams that we a lot of people don't really consider. You know what I mean? That, that you could, you know, with the transient nature of the game for virtually anybody, you know, not even for, the, for those types of players, even the major league players, when you get traded, when you get released, you know, these are the sorts of things that we don't consider. You know, do, how do you... It's got to be hard to game plan for that, right? Yeah, there's uh, there's really no game plan for it because you can't really you, you don't know what's going to happen. It's kind of a day to day thing. Um, I guess I've been through it a lot personally, which you know I've adjusted to it. It's kind of getting used to it. So it's not that big of a deal for me. And I don't have I'm not like some of these guys are. You know, they've got their wives and you know a couple kids with them, and so that's you know, Oof, yeah. Those guys going like that. So that situation with their families with them traveling it's even you know it's 10 times harder than just doing it by yourself uh so yeah it's it's, it's definitely difficult it's uh it's one of those things that it's just, it stinks but it, you know it's, it is what it is and i wish there was a i wish there was a way to you know help people with like the families and you know helping them you know right adapt get settled in but i yeah, just it's i don't know i wish there was something do, do you feel like uh, – uh, was this something you've kind of factored in? Like, all right, if I'm going to do this, like, were you aware of how – going into it, how sort of trans, – uh, transient's the word that I keep coming back to, but, like, it, were you – did you have any idea how transient it actually was? When I was going from high school to – Yeah, drafted? like, yeah, just straight oh, through. I, no, and not at all. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really – I didn't know anyone growing up who played baseball at professional level, so I didn't really have anyone to talk to. Um, uh, so I just went out there, didn't really know what to expect, and I kind of expected playing a stadium. But then I was in the Chainlink League in Arizona, so that was kind of what's the Chainlink you know, League? 
Arizona, Arizona League. ACL. Oh, oh, AZL, AZL. Okay, I never heard it called that before. Yeah, it's just it's amazing to just like look at where you've been, right? You're you're 11 years into your career, right? And right. just looking at my computer screen, where you've been doesn't even fit on my screen. You've been so many places that oh you God. had to call your home team, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. Arizona League, Royals, Idaho Paul Chuckers, uh, Kane County Cougars, back to the Royals again in the Arizona League, Burlington Royals, Kane County Cougars, Wilmington Blue Rocks, Northwest Arkansas Naturals. I can't pronounce half of these. They just wear me out. Peoria Javelinas, Burlington Royals. And you're 24 at this point. I mean, it's mm-hmm. almost like you could have a homestand and you can't feel like you're at home. I mean, right. Well, yeah. as you know the you the blue rocks jump out at me I've, i actually lived in wilmington delaware for a while um my my first like 10 baseball games were wilmington blue rocks games um and uh and you know jim and i have talked about the impact of the minor leagues and things like that did you did you have a, a sort of favorite stop along the way in in all of this or does it start to kind of blend together for you uh right now it all sort of like blends together especially well, Right now, since I hadn't been moving around a lot more, when I was coming up, it sort of a little, had a little more. You know, I was there. I was there for sometimes a full year, sometimes a year and a half. Right. Repeated levels, so that spent a little more time there. Um, uh, I really enjoyed. I liked playing Northwest Arkansas because my hometown was two hours away, so That's that was nice. really nice. Yeah. Uh, I really, I think the most fun that I had was when I was in uh, Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I just like the team was awesome. Like I we go out all the time. Uh, it was just it was a good. You go to time. the waterfront waterfront right there on the other side of the stadium. Up oh, we go to University of Delaware. We go everywhere. I was really it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Wilmington, Delaware, a lot. Yeah, I, I was there for damn near two years too. So hell, I guess I had to enjoy. It. Yeah, you <laughs> did some time in Venezuela also, right? Yep, yep. That was cool. That was cool. I really enjoyed that too. Didn't. Uh, I had an upset stomach for about three straight months, but I really, uh, I enjoyed the experience. It was like the most, it was up at that point, the most fun I had, I ever had playing baseball. That I've heard, you know, just through reading that, that sentiment, like guys who go to play in Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, like they, they're the most fun that they have is playing in those places. Cause it's just such a more, it's almost like what MLB is marketing right now. The we play loud, let the kids play. Like that's what they do all the time, anyway. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's you no, know, yeah. I love, I love the uh, the nature of the game. The the Latin players bring, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the swag, the character, you know, the confidence. I think that's that's awesome. Like I, I think it's great. I think it's great for the game. It, um it's exciting uh, but yeah playing down there it's a, it's a lot of fun you embrace that you know they encourage you embrace it though. right and uh, and they're all about winning you know everyone's yep. about winning so it's like you don't get that a whole lot in the minor leagues or the major league level it is so that's kind of a major league experience you get down there when it's all about winning that's really nice. cool um, so we're gonna take a, we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back I want to uh, we're gonna dive a little bit more into you know, your uh, sort of passage through the minors and some things that maybe we, again, as, as you know, people on the outside don't get to experience. So uh, we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, again, with us is Lane Adams, a uh, professional major league outfielder. And, uh, you know, Lane, we're, we wanted to talk a little bit about your journey through, you know, we've talked about how you got drafted. Uh, we, we talked about how, you know, you didn't necessarily want to get drafted and, and you came through the Royal system. But I want to talk about what happened after that. And the, again, these are the sorts of things that, like, for example, um, that first waiver claim. Okay, because you were claimed by the Yankees uh, from the Royals, you know what? Can you tell us how how do those conversations go? Like, you know, a lot of us, the only reference we have to these conversations is like when we watched Moneyball and we watched the fake Jeremy uh, Jeremy Giambi or uh, yeah Jeremy Giambi get traded. Um, how how does that go? 
Um, all of them are different. Um, when I first got DFA by Kansas City, uh, I think before the they had to set the rosters in November mm-hmm. that fall. Uh, I think it was 2014, 14, no, 15 going to 16. Mm-hmm. So the fall of 15, um, assistant GM called me and said, "Hey, you know, we're gonna we want to take you off the roster. Will you will you sign back to this deal?" And I was like, "No," I said, "I won't sign it." Um, so he goes, "All right." So next day, so I see set the roster, and they end up they didn't designate me. I was like, "Well, damn." Yeah. <laughs> like now they're gonna but like, now they're gonna freaking now I know I'm on the chopping block. I gotta be the last. Like I gotta be thirty nine forty. Right. So, so if they make any sign or whatever trade, I'm first one. Right. Hopefully, they do it soon because later you get into the winter months. The you know, roster start to get a little more complete sure sure and they don't freaking designate me until like i know like mid to late january when house gordon signed his four-year deal so i was a little was a little upset about that but luckily i got claimed over by the yankees because uh i was i was just uh yeah i think i spent all the time in kansas city at that point <laughs> i was kind of ready to see what else was out there so did they did the yankees uh, did the yankees approach you and say hey we're claiming you or do you just get a notification hey you're a yankee now uh the gm texted me or called me and said you got claimed by the yankees and then cashman called me and like welcomed all that stuff but then two weeks later he designates me and then 10 days he you know lets me know that i got outrighted so i mean like i said it's it's every phone call he gets different um Sometime. And did it, 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 these short, like it, these short little things, because if I'm not mistaken, a, a couple of times that you know that's happened where you, you you get claimed or you get signed, and then and then before you the season even really begins, you're you're changing hats. So is this like, how do you uh, how do you react to that? Like, is there like, hey, we're interested in you for this reason, and then it just doesn't work out? Oh yeah, so you want to have some transparency between yourself and the uh, organization as far as where you stand and possible scenarios like what in order to get on a roster like what are the, what needs to happen sure. or you know what can't happen after you sign or so you know things like that so you want to kind of have the communication that's where your agent comes in and does all that stuff kind of he's the you know the middleman between the two so uh yeah you try to just pick your uh your what you think is the best spot, but you're in my situation. There's really no one ideal spot, honestly. Yeah. Cause, uh, it's just how it is, but you just kind of roll the dice and go out and hope for the best. So did you ever know, like, for example, like we'll use the Yankees as an example, you know, they bring you in when you talk to, to Cashman, was it like, okay, this could be your role. And then what was, did you, did you know what the obstacle, what caused the turnaround? Uh, no, he just, no, he, he didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't really talk to Cashman after that until the end of when I got sent down for major league spring training. Uh, mm-hmm. the only time I really talked to him was when he, he told me I claimed and when he told me I got designated and told me I got outrighted. Oh, gotcha. So, <laughs> I was on those three phone calls to the end of spring training. So no, I mean, that, those, those phone calls happen. I mean, yeah. Especially season. Does it? All the time. So. so you you've spent time in a lot of organizations, but but before I get to that, I wanted to ask you like all of these phone calls, all the all this sort of um, edge of your seat type of type of thing, because you are by no, no means like you're way in the majority of baseball players, no matter who you are. So like, does this does this at all kind of like does it affect how you feel about the game in general or pl- being a pro ball player or did, or did, is it sort of built into your, your, um, your psyche? Is it kind of built into your, you know, this is just my job, you know? Yeah, I think it has to be like that, honestly, because uh, I remember the first time I was going through the waiver stuff and all that, I was hanging on by now. Like, Oh, when am I going to hear something? Always checking my phone, always, you know, just asking my agent if he's heard anything and, you know, and actually, a couple of times later, I just don't even, right? Don't even really follow it. It is what it is, and that's kind of you kind of just accept it. And that's I, for me personally, that's been easier because when you try to play G, uh, general manager in your in your head, you just stay up <laughs> all night, and it just 
you just wear yourself out mentally. Yeah, no, I could see that. Now you you have spent time in in you know for example you've been in Chicago uh, in with the Cubs, uh, Kansas City, New York, Atlanta, Philadelphia, which I didn't even know you where you went where you spent some time with Philly. Um, my my question is you know you've got a ton of different clubhouses, different cultures, w- different you know philosophies. For you, is it is it something where like is there a huge differences between and I'm just using these organizations like is there a huge difference in all of that or is it just kind of like the same outline you just make some tweaks along the way? Uh, I mean, I guess every organization kind of has their. I mean, everyone kind of has the same culture. I mean, everyone tries to get the same culture. It's just some's at different levels. There's different some some clubhouses are. Uh, you know, more loose and stuff so but i mean everyone's got i think throughout all clubhouses everyone's goals to win so right. was there one in particular that like was was like say stuck out not for like say better or worse reasons but just stuck out to you and as the most unique of the group uh the the 2014 royals uh clubhouse was really really loose really chill uh you know a lot of fun they encourage like the younger guys to get up and you know kind of you know, let loose and be themselves they didn't do the whole thought of the uh not call it hazing but make you do rookie stuff they sure, really yeah. do a whole lot of that so they kind of you know they wanted you they made you feel like you're a part of part of that team as soon as you're in that clubhouse so that was a really cool uh clubhouse uh team so you got uh, you got some time actually. Your longest uh, stint in the majors was was with the Atlanta Braves. Um, when I, you got the call at, for, you know to the Royals, that was your first. I guess you'd call your your first time in the show. Your cup of coffee, if you will. Yeah, I was um, like the backup, backup, <laughs> backup pinch runner. The um, when you when you did that, like when you got the call to Atlanta, did you have a, a okay? I'm gonna get some playing time. Like, did that did that feel like a, a an actual call up, so to speak? Yeah, that felt that one. I don't even really count the first one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I don't even wish I could forget it. I mean, not right, not the this that's great. The whole wild card. Oh yeah, uh, no, exactly. Yeah, not yeah. playing. I was over three, you know. <laughs> uh, through a month so uh no i was uh really excited when i got called to atlanta because that was the first time i've been on a 25-man roster and uh the 25-man the 40-man i mean like you said in, in, in a baseball player's mind that's two completely different things yeah so, yeah and i don't know like i don't know if like fan i don't know if fans see that as two different things but it's two different things can it, can you can you elaborate on that a little bit uh, I think, I think, I think, uh, the 25 man, you're, you know, you're there, like you're there to contribute because it's 25 other guys. I mean, it's 25 guys. It's not like, you're not like for me, you're not an emergency. Like I felt like I was like, I, I was, I only time I ever pinch ran when I was the first guy I called up was, uh, if there was a runner in front of me. God, so I never, like, like that was <laughs> Dyson to all the stolen base ones correctly so but uh like that was that was my role if there was a runner on in front of me i was running so there you go not a whole lot of excitement on my end unless <laughs> there's a pass ball then which there was once that was fun i guess yeah woo <laughs> yeah so so when you get to the 25 man you're you're there when you're on the 40 man it's like you're 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 you know you're present you have a uniform yeah right you like you kind of yeah you're Exactly. Uh, 25 man, it means that they, I, I, for me, it felt like, you know, I have a job to do. Like, you know, it's going to be pinch, you know, late defense, pinch hitting, uh, pinch running. Like, I'm, I've got a job to do. So uh, that was that was a lot, really cool. To, a lot more know, security. Yeah, exactly. Have a little, uh, a little bit of reasoning and like knowing what what you what you got to do and kind of win. Yeah, and and now, you, you uh, go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. Well, I, I I just wanted to kind of get a feel with the pitchers that are kind of in that situation of of balancing on that twenty five forty. Uh, nowadays we got the ten day IL right, and um, 
we see that being utilized more as a way to give pitchers rest more than it is to actually get somebody that's actually injured off off the roster to get healed up. And so they're cycling people up out of AAA repeatedly now. It's a lot more, it seems, in the last couple of years now. It's been a 10-day versus a 15-day. Um, how did how do the pitchers do it? I mean, that's a, I mean, there's one thing being a position player and having to go back and forth and be on that balance of, of just hanging on the 40 man. But how do the pitchers do that? I don't know. I have no idea how they do it. Cause the pitchers definitely got it worse. I mean, <laughs> they got, I mean, they're not, most times they're not going up there to start. If they're starters, they're not going to go through a long guy and they might not get in for, you know, a certain amount of time. They might get in right away and throw a lot of innings or a lot of pitches and they're right back down. And they, it's I don't know how they do it. It's it, that's a roller coaster. Uh, I actually remember at a my roommate one year he was in the same situation. He was trying to start in AAA. He started off he was a starter. They call him up. He was in the bullpen, sitting down, making starter game. He had to throw one inning at a time. He got built up to three innings. Back to the big leagues in the bullpen. It was just a yeah. back and forth. And he's like, I just it just wore me out mentally and physically. He said, <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Like I've seen it. I've seen it, and it's. It looks does not look fun, and the injury potential so much so much higher too. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't know how I, anybody does it. So you were actually uh, in your time, and, and your mo- you're obviously your most productive seasons were were with Atlanta at the big league level. Um, it, when you were in the club, when you were on the field, for example, you know one of the things that I found fascinating was you know I never really if you had told me like hey Lane Adams starting i would think okay speed guy he's got a glove you know what i mean but you actually i was watching a couple of highlights you actually could you could turn on a fastball and uh you actually were an 800 ops hitter i would did you like when you got to the majors did you like was it a was there a skill that you sort of discovered that you did it or did it kind of go as, as you imagined it would well, after the 2016 season, I uh, I started well, I started changing my swing in 2014. But I started like first years, I tried to do it myself. And after 2016 season, that's when I went out to California and hit with Craig Wallenbrock all off season. So I had a little mechanical change, and that uh, I think that just carried over. I got to really just start in AAA with the power numbers, and I think it just kind of carried over uh, just from the mechanical change. What was the biggest? What was you know? What was the biggest difference for you, going from AAA to the show, knowing you were going to get time? What What was the first thing you were like? Oh man, this is uh, this is way different. Uh, from AAA to big leagues. Yeah, AAA to big leagues, and knowing and knowing you were going like knowing you were going to get time. Oh, it was uh, it was exciting. Um. It was exciting. It was I was very nerve wracking. Uh, I was real anxious, <laughs> real anxiety at time. Uh, no, it was fun. Um, I never pinch hit before. Like I never. Atlanta's the first time I ever played in the National League. We don't, you know, and we I don't think we even had a National League game when I was in AAA at the time. So like, so I never pinch hit before. I didn't even know how to do it. Um, that was the only time I ever ever played. So. <laughs> uh, I, I grown to like it. Um, I started off hitting in low leverage situations, um, uh, and had some early early success. Had some confidence in it, and started to become like the high leverage pinch hitter. And it was something that I really embraced. I really enjoyed. I took pride in it, um, and that was uh, some, that was a lot of fun. Uh, just having a role, you know, being you know being looked to, and you know, high leverage situations is you know. Is what you want to be. Yeah. That's the player you want to be, and I got to be that player for uh, 2017 Braves. That and, and honestly, like I the the walk off against the Marlins. You remember that one? Oh yeah, yeah. That 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 was uh, I, I that was the first highlight I actually watched, and I thought, wow, like you got a hold of that one. And so does that does that like do, how how does that feel? Like you you gotta like. How does that feel? You see the ball. Did you know it right off the bat, or was it something where, like, oh, man? Um, I didn't know it off the back, so I didn't know if I hit it high enough. I know I hit it hard. I didn't know if I hit it high enough. But, no, it was a, it was a great fight. I knew we had won the game because Micah Johnson was at first base, and he's, really, he's a really fast runner. So mm-hmm. I knew the game was over because 
there's two outs he's going on the swing or contact and i knew it was gonna split a gap at least so that was uh it was a really cool feeling and when i saw each start running in from left i was pretty hyped <laughs> <laughs> that's you actually and you know the 2017 braves a lot of interesting players on that roster um Fair. you know you know freddie freeman uh i think uh uh dansby was up by that time um what of all of those guys was was there you know was there uh what was the most interesting player that you played with on that roster uh that's a great group it was a great clubhouse uh, a lot of cool dudes uh fun fun guys to be around uh most interesting guy would probably oh man shit, there's a lot of them uh, <laughs> luke jackson's a, he's an interesting guy yeah sam, Fring, sam freeman was an interesting guy that's that's fun See, that's... super cool love both of them awesome dudes yeah, uh, Fulton Nevich is an interesting guy. Love him though. Fulty's Fulty lives out out my way in West Atlanta, and, and oh yeah, he's great. Yeah. I mean, there's so many of them. I mean, all all most all pitchers are interesting. So, so did you when you felt like um, did, you know that was the team? All right, so they the 2017 Braves. The next year they they come back, they win the NL East. It's a team on the on the uptick. Um, did you did you did, were you around this team thinking like okay this team is gonna go forward you know what I mean from there like do, can you sense that in the clubhouse yeah uh, you could you could tell after after we got eliminated from the Dodgers you could kind of tell mm-hmm. that it was just the kind of beginning and they had I think they had already kind of a year or two ahead of where ahead of schedule so there was really no time there was no uh i mean people were disappointed we lost but there wasn't a whole lot of you know people hanging their heads because they knew like the future was very bright and it was you know right around the corner oh trust me i i remember i was like i'm just happy to be here (laughs) um (laughs) when you exceed those expectations like that that's nice right i mean you expect there as a player to get all the way right but um but as a fan base to be able to get that right uh, the 2017 playoffs. I mean, you got a couple plate appearances in the 2017 playoffs. Uh, does that is that another level for you? Is that something different when you step up to that plate against the Dodgers in the in a yeah, NLDS? Absolutely, it's uh, it was awesome. Um, wish one of swung with a damn three-two pitch in my eyes against. <laughs> it was. But you got on base on your other plate yeah, appearance. First so. foot, hit me in the foot with a slider. <laughs> hey, it's, you're on I base. Was, I was going with the first slider down and in his eyes. I felt like off my foot. I'm going to take it. So I set him up for that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, so now Lane Adams has more. Uh, uh, he, Lane Adams has been on base more uh, since uh, turning 12 years old than all the Mariners combined. <laughs> <laughs> Big stats guy. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you you have you have exceeded an entire franchise, sir. Yep. Love to see it. Yep. yep. You love well to see it. Um, so that's that's crazy. That's that's pretty neat, though. It's a uh, uh, being able to have that opportunity like that. That's amazing because it took you quite a while to get to 2017. I mean, at yeah. that point, what 28 years old? 29. It was 27. Yeah. 27. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, I was. We you know, yeah, we talk about uh, we talk about stats and, and the long road it took to get here. My, I, I ask a lot. You know, I was wondering a lot. We make a lot on this side. You know, Jim and myself and everybody I hear. We make a lot about advanced analytics and advanced advanced stats, launch angle, uh, spin rate for pitchers, um, a, a ton of things. Of all the places you've been, have. Do you, from a player's end, do you get approached with these sorts of things? Like, hey, your 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 woba is you know below you know where it should be, or like, how much of that actually makes it into your uh, sort of diet, so to speak, and does it affect how you your game plan you know to improve? Um, I I know I know stats. I've kind of been following analytics for i think i just got into it 2014 uh, uh, i read, read a bunch of books like tango tiger and all of these books analytical books so i sure. kind of knew ahead of it and um just kind of knew what was happening for the big you know analytical evolution or whatever yeah um, 
Uh, so, yeah, it, I I look at the I like the numbers. I like to, I don't don't know if they really help me um, as far as I got. I know if I strike out, if I strike out too much, I know I get cut down on strikeouts or get on base. I don't always think like I'm not chasing like a certain woba. Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, it'd be nice. Like I, I would like to have this, but uh, I don't really know. Right. Okay, so, but it's one of those games where you just go out, you know, play, you fine tune your skills and your craft and just let the numbers kind of fall where they fall. Right. Kind of yeah. Do, do you feel like, uh, do you feel like too much is, you know, do you feel like, a lot, are there players that do embrace it or is, is like you're, you, the way you describe it, it almost sounds more like artisan, like, you know, where it's like, I take my craft and I hone it based on what works and what feels good. Do you are do you, are there players that kind of like pr- really get into the sort of like well I'm not taking uh, you know the first pitch enough or I'm not chasing to this part of the zone like do you feel like it, it gets there are players who lean on that uh, <clears throat> every hitter's di- everyone's different uh, I think pitchers probably get a little more into it than the hitters uh, uh, some guys I, I like the numbers. Mainly because I think they're fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I, just, I like to know RPMs of pitchers and you know sp- like spin rates and you know where they have to go in the zones and all this other like kind of general base like certain percentages, running scoring position. You know, I like to I like, kind of go over that stuff, but I'm not you know, I'm not sitting there trying to like get out of my head in a one two count. Uh, some guy I don't I don't really know if anyone does it like, sure. to that extent. I'm sure someone does, but it's not quite not a big percentage. Uh, but I think, you know, I think analytics is, isn't going anywhere. I mean, it's there for a reason because it helps. Um, like if there's, I think any, I think players now it's such a such a cutthroat league and profession and profession that if they if there's numbers analytics that think that they can improve on and take it better and have a way to train to achieve that, and I think players are definitely going to do it. And with the at the minor league level, then quite a bit of analytics change over the last decade. I mean, we see it just. Um, in the numbers alone, but we all typically stat-wise, we're focused mostly on the major leagues, right? Um, but minor league-wise, I mean, we're starting to get more numbers back from that. That's more available to us to be able to search through easier and whatnot. But just as goes for training-wise, uh, how have the analytics revamped the the minor league system that you had to grow and go through? Uh, yeah, I mean, you got you know certain you know, philosophies and stuff. Um, there's a whole, I mean, that's, then you get into that big rabbit hole and you start talking the hitting side of it. Yeah. You've got both what a, a certain player feels or perception versus reality and what's real, what's not. You know, those are real you know, fine things that every individual hitter player like, has to do, like, has their own thing. So uh, there's a lot, a lot of teams starting to do, get more into uh, player development on side of, uh, Find out how individual bodies, like human, like players, are moving. Like, there's they got loose movers, you had tight movers. So, when I was first coming up, uh, it was all everyone kind of cookie cutter, same thing, same program. Throw this, do throw this amount of feet, this amount of time, lift this, do this. Now it's more individual. So that I think they're trying to like they're getting all these movement specialists to get. Uh, the most out of their players uh, on a physical to a physical standpoint, which is really cool. Yeah. Do Do you feel like um, you know a lot of people like in, in in the business world, for example, if they want to curtail their resume, they'll take a class, right? They'll say, okay, you know, I'm going to take this class, and this will show up in my resume, and I may look more attractive to like this particular position. In the baseball world, do you do you look at your like look at your stat sheet for lack of a better term and say, well, I, if I were to cut down on my strikeouts, for example, like mm-hmm. that would probably help me get like maybe get more time in the show, or do you do you put that much stock into it? You know, is it something where like, look, hey, I'm a speed guy, I might strike out a little bit more, but that's my game. You know what I mean? A little bit of both. Uh, you try not to when during the season. I mean, like I'm going through the same thing right now. It's like I got to cut out my strikeouts. It's like how do I cut down my strikeouts? Was well, it a pitch recognition thing or is it a mechanical thing? It's probably this past year is a mechanical thing. There was something that was breaking down. Uh, there was something breaking down in my swing that's making my swing a little bit longer than I would like. So 
what happens then is instead of hitting that 97 mile fastball straight, you know, back up the middle or, you know, hitting it in, in play, you, you foul it, you foul it back off the screen. And that's the one pitch you miss. I, I'm a firm believer that you don't really, a lot of the times you don't strike out on the third strike. You strike out, you know, on the first two strikes, whether it's not ready to hit, you miss a pitch. And when if you have a mechanical flaw, which I believe I had from all the video I watched, um, if it's your swings a little long and you miss pitches, you got to hit, then you, you're not just, you're not going to, you're going to hitting so hard. You're not going to be able to just take those ball to strike sliders repeatedly. And you're going right. to chase one of them because it's just too hard to do. I think, you know, uh, yeah, I think for me, yeah, I do use the numbers and I try to, uh, use it, you know, see what I can improve on. Sure. Okay. Well, we're going to, we're going to take a, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And uh, again, with us is Lane Adams and uh, Jim. We're, we've got a very special presentation for, for, for Lane, don't we? Yeah, yeah. We're going to change stat spotlight from its usual, uh, yeah, let's focus on some numbers about what we're talking about today type of thing. And uh, we're going to focus on a little bit of Lane Adams' numbers today in a, in a game that we like to call Mike Trout or Lane Adams. Uh, it's pretty simple. So we're going to find out if Lane Adams knows Lane Adams, or maybe if we know Lane Adams knows Mike Trout. I mean, yeah, I don't know, do you know? So do, do you know Mike Trout personally? Love Mike Trout. <laughs> he seems like he seems like a really cool dude. Oh. Yeah, we should get him on the show next week or something like that if we got time. But yeah. and then we'll just play the same game with the same questions with Mike Trout, right? <laughs> yeah, Let, Lane Adams right or Mike Trout. I feel like we need the other side of this. We're we're objective journalists. It's only fair, right? Yeah, so we'll work fair. on that. That's your job. You're, yeah, you're producing fair. this. All right. So, all right. So, question number one, right? We got uh, Mike Trout or Lane Adams. Who has the better career stolen base percentage? Lane Adams. That's Lane Adams. Lane Adams has never been caught stealing at the major league level. Wow. That's. That's pretty impressive, pitch runner extraordinaire as he calls himself, and <laughs> and uh, and whatnot. But I mean, it's pretty impressive because Trout, I mean, out of people that have taken 200 stolen base attempts in his career, he's third in the expansion area in uh, stolen base percentage at almost nearly 85 percent. But it's freaking good. But Trout is not Lane Adams, right? So so one for you there. All right, um, all right, Mike Trout or Lane Adams. Who has hit more home runs batting fourth or lower in the lineup? Has Trout ever hit below four? Yeah, yeah. He did some time down there. I bet it wasn't long. I'm going to say myself. And it is Lane Adams again. Two for yeah. two. Two for two. Lane Adams knows Lane Adams, right? All of Lane's. Eight hole. <laughs> All of Lane's home runs, pinch hitting most of the time down below, right? He's got seven home runs at the bottom half of the lineup there. Trout only has five. He's got his other 280 in the first three spots. And that's easy to do. Yeah, for Which, real. Yeah, everybody does that up there, for, right? I mean, every, every, I mean, if everyone's hitting, you know, one, two, three, has like 40 home runs now. Eight. Yeah, I'll hit forty. Yeah, there you sure go. The just throws, does it come with it? Right. Yeah, just throws underhand to the first three guys. That's all the tough. Yeah. The, the yeah. Tough pitches come to everybody else. I get it. Right. All right. Uh, let's dig into a split for the next one between uh, between Mike Trout and Lane Adams. Who has the higher career OPS during the month of August? This is a. Uh, this is, by the way, Mike Trout's birthday month. August is. We share that. Didn't he have like some stupid month? Like, oh, I mean, obviously he has stupid months every, like <laughs> every month. But like, right. like a. He like has like a slump for him is like he doesn't have a a, a good day at a restaurant. I think, or something I think he like has that. a better August. In fact, Lane, it is you. You for the third straight answer. You have a one thousand eleven OPS in Whoa. August. That's very nice, and oh, uh, yeah. Trout has just a measly nine sixty one OPS. I mean, which is basically like his worst month, right? Yeah. But mediocre, so, mediocre. Yeah, I think it's still pretty decent, right? Solid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Mike Trout or Lane Adams? 
who has the higher slugging percentage versus right-handed pitchers? Reverse yeah. split for you. I, I do. I, I'm guessing makes I have pretty uh, gnarly splits. You have wicked splits against right-handers, right? <laughs> and what is behind that? I mean, at the high school level, I'm sure you just obliterated everybody. I couldn't tell you. I, but, I don't know. Well, Lane Adams carries a 584 uh, slugging percentage versus right-handed pitchers. But in this case, Mike Trout carries a 599 slugging percentage against right-handed pitchers. He, just like Adams, just annihilates righties. So uh, if it if that says anything, I mean, sign the guy up for a getting out on the field a little more often you don't have to worry about platoons right yeah what is that what is the deal with the lefty righty like is it true that it's just because you can't see the ball i think it's dominant i think some guys are you know left eye right eye dominant and if you're like i'm right eye dominant so uh i had to really like really turn my head like to see the righty right and i guess i didn't i i faced righty so much that my head position naturally turned my natural setup, so I didn't really – kind of not setting my eyes aligned up with the lefty pitcher. So I think something has to do with that. Right. I, I think it's some kind of – it has to be a vision thing. It, I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. So. Okay. All right, Jim. I could be wrong, but yeah, it, I, it makes sense to it's me. It's working. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, all right. Um, I got a few more of, uh, of Mike Trout versus Lane Adams here. So uh, Mike Trout or Lane Adams – who has the most sacrifice bunt attempts? Now, a sacrifice bunt attempt is either A, successful, or B, it was laid down and it wasn't successful or you struck out on it. It's not, a, it doesn't count if uh, you tried and it failed, but you ended up roping a base hit on the next one. Trout. Trout, right? Trout has had two sacrifice uh, attempts. He only in his had career. Two. I feel like he'd be one of those guys like dragged to the runner on first base. Yeah, right. Raul yeah. Montesi Jr. to do to me. Yeah, double. I yeah. still he like drag bunt down third. Every time, he'd be he ended up going like one for one with three with three sacks <laughs> <laughs> or a hit. Just working the system, getting his OBP up. Yeah, um, yeah no, Trout tried twice. He's failed both times, right? He's gotten really? out and hasn't hasn't accomplished his sacrifice both times. You, on the other hand, you're one for one. Well, as I say, I only have one. Yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, you kind of try. You, I mean, it did, what didn't count as one, right? But you, you kind of had, a, I think, another you know, you know, attempt, you know, right? What was really bad about it? Yeah, I pinch it for the pitcher, and they made me fucking bunt. <laughs> Yeah. Was that Snicker? Did Snit make you do that? Yeah. Oh, that's such a Snicker I mean, move. I don't even know who the hell it was. I don't know who was pitching. But like, hey, you're gonna go up there. Like, oh, sweet. It was Bartolo. It was Bart. Oh no, Bartolo wasn't on the team. This, hey, this is this is before I was in the high leverage guy. Right? Yeah, this is this is pre high leverage. This is low leverage. This is low leverage, Adam. Up there. Low leverage I lane. I hope he didn't put you in sacrificing against a righty. Uh, you know what? I was a, it was a starting pitcher, but we hit around that inning. Oh. At the, I had a game. I could go ahead, base clearing, RBI double. Yes. Like, Arizona. Yes. I remember. So I was like, I was pissed off that I had a bunt. I wasn't pissed off I had a bunt. I was pissed off I had a pinch hit for the pitcher. And, and he makes you bunt. <laughs> and then, uh, no, it was the next, sorry. Was that the same game? I don't know. But I think the next night, I think it might be the next night, I hit double or something. Yeah. Or I don't know. I don't know if it was the same game or next night. Because it was, um, it was, it was Swanson came flying around, you flying yeah. around home, and and that was like I, it was like one of the first games he played back in Arizona after. It, mm-hmm. I remember watching that because you hit the double, and then Swanson comes through home and pops up like friggin' Superman. I remember watching that game. Uh, Jim, you want to do like one or two more? Yeah, I got a couple more left, right? Cool. Two more left. Um, all right. Mike Trout or Lane Adams scored a run in each of his first four major league starts. I did. That would be Lane Adams. Lane Adams. Lane Adams. And what's even more amazing for Lane Adams is that he's actually scored a run in his last seven starts as well. Oh, man. Well, yeah. It's resume padding. 
when you get four at bats a game, it's so easy when you only get like one a night yeah. for three months. Four is like, oh man, this is a week's work in three hours. Right. I mean, it's eight hundred OPS. It's so much easier. He's got an eight hundred OPS, a one hundred eight OPS plus. He scores every time he starts. I mean, opportunity is the only thing that's missing here, right? I mean, we're talking to Mike Trout. Yeah, and, and the, the, this will be see Jim. This will be the this will be the podcast that gets him signed. <laughs> They're yeah. gonna be like listening to our Podog podcast, like this well, guy. Most, well, that's a, the thirty followers we have. Yeah, that's right? all thirty all of 30, them. Yeah, thirty GMs, right? That Only fair. Yeah. Only fair. Yeah. Inside track. All right. All right. So uh, the final question for uh, of this: Mike Trout or Lane Adams is the most recent player to hit a home run off of a pitcher with ten or more WAR. The most recent person hit a home run off a pitcher that accumulated 10 war. My home runs come off. Oh, uh, I don't know. No, I don't think so. We're going with Mike Trout on that one? Uh, yeah. That would be incorrect. What? It was uh, in war. It was Lane Adams. Lane Adams had himself a home run on September twenty third, twenty eighteen, oh, off of Aaron Nola. No, Aaron wow. Nola is really the. No, he had ten WAR that year. Yeah, it's the only pitcher in the in the twenty tens that actually finished with ten WAR in a season. And at that point in his in that point in the season, he had already accumulated ten WAR before he even got to that start. Right. So. Uh, yes, so. Do you do you remember how that at bat went? Do you remember? Oh what the yeah, first... I remember how both of them went. I, I, I pitch. Oh. Yeah. So uh, the the first pitch, if it was successful, would have been probably the reason why uh, uh, Lane Adams and Mike Trout would have had the same amount of sacks, right? I mean, I think uh, yeah. Lane tried to lay down a bun on the first pitch. Yeah, I knew he was going to throw a a curveball, and I tried to bun it, and I fouled it off. I'm like, damn it! I said, he's going to throw a changeup. I guess right and right changeup because that's what I always do. No one, ever, nobody ever throws that. I'm gonna sit on it anyways. And he throws it, and it's like six inches in off the plate, and I somehow hit it. Oh, it was way inside. Oh, it was so far. <laughs> like, if I'm not being a dumbass and sitting on a right on right changeup and an 0-1 count, then I don't hit that home run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a normal hitter with a professional approach, with, you know, thinking like you know, having a reasonable idea up there. I don't hit that home run. Right. <laughs> yep. Joey Votto does not hit that home run. No, no. Joey Votto takes that pitch nine times out of nine, Every right? Time. And, then, and then laughs Shit, at the it hit me. I got to hit it before it hits me. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it was amazing how quick he turned on it. It's a great video. You'll have to, everybody, the 30 GMs that are listening to this, you just got to yeah. go to YouTube, search NOLA, search Lane Adams, and I'll say the dog shit change-ups down and in. Yes. Oh, man. Hey, it, all day. It, it, Balls changeups. It was ridiculous how he got that barrel in there. I don't know. It was almost like the it was almost like the handle of the bat was between his legs when he hit that home run. <laughs> it was so far inside. It was just beautiful. It's a, it's a great video, man. It's I watched it probably I don't know too many times last night. I, I went to bed late. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, honestly, it, it's amazing. It, your home run to me your home runs are like majestic like when you get a hold of one dude you you get a hold of it <laughs> yeah i mean i do tend to like hit balls really like i don't know I feel like i don't get any cheap home runs right i need, get, I need more cheap ones right <laughs> more cheap right you know, a few a few short porch pop-ups and <laughs> I mean, shot in the bulk you know yeah <laughs> You got one off of Kyle Hendricks. He doesn't give up too many either. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good company there, too. So, so uh, well, Lane, listen, it has been an absolute pleasure to hang out tonight. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and, uh, look, we are, we're, we are pulling for you to, to be wearing a major league uniform this, this, coming, this coming spring. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate. It. Thank you guys for having me, man. I had fun. Yeah, for sure. And uh, when we get uh, when we get Mike Trout on next week or two weeks, whenever Adam gets him signed up, right. uh, we'll probably just bring you back on too, so that you can play the game. Yeah, that's with cool. Us. Yeah, yeah. Tell Mikey. Yeah, just let me know. Yeah, yeah, that's just, right. yeah. <laughs> I, I figure all I gotta do is just say that Lane Adams is like, hey man, go on their show, and, and it should happen. So we'll just name drop. Definitely. I'm fine with that. Well, thank you so much, and uh, and uh, we will see you guys around. And then, Lena, please, come back anytime. We'd love to have you. Thank you.
Yeah. Sounds good, man. Thank you yeah. guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. And best you. wishes to you, Lane. Yeah.